Covenant Day School community. Welcome to CDS Stories, a podcast where we sit down with various members of our community to learn about the people that make CDS the special place that it is. I'm your host, Jackie Haynes. Today in the studio, I have Mrs. Linda Harling, a teacher at CDS who has been with us for 23 years and teaches many levels of French. But the way I've gotten to know her is through sustainability at Covenant Day. I'm more than excited to have Mrs. Harling here with us today. Thank you for joining me. You're very welcome. Can you share with us where you grew up? I grew up in Oklahoma, uh, in Tulsa. My father was a pastor, and we moved there at the end of second grade, and I graduated from high school there. Can you share how that transition from Oklahoma to France occurred? Uh, I had the opportunity when I was in fifth grade to begin studying French. It was a pilot program, and we met in a closet. But I was very excited to do that, and I continued French all the way through junior high then and high school. And when I went to college, I decided to major in French and ended up transferring after my freshman year for family reasons. My brother was ill. Then I had a double major in special education in French. And I loved French so much. And when I finished my undergrad work, I decided to do a graduate degree with Middlebury College in went to France to work on my master's degree. Can you share even why the passion kept growing, just what was so attractive about the language and about France to you? I think being able to understand different culture and as my knowledge grew to be able to read things in the original and not just in translation, having very passionate teachers who Mm -hmm. were so excited about being able to teach us French really encouraged me in that way. And I just enjoyed it so much and just felt it was a wonderful opportunity to get to know people. Once you moved to France, what was some culture shock that happened? I had spent a summer in Montreal where I was immersed in French, but then being in a place where I was basically uniquely hearing French Mm -hmm. all the time and everything in my life was taking place in French was uh, a bit of an adjustment. And learning to do all of my shopping and getting a post office box and then eventually getting a a little bank account and working on proper paperwork. All those things are done in a different way. And so I had to learn all those things. Right. That's interesting. Even though the logistics are Mm -hmm. hard to learn. So how did you end up meeting your husband? So when I went to France, I originally intended on staying one year to finish my master's degree. I had a dream of becoming a college professor, and I thought I had my life planned out. But I, during that year, went to a youth missions conference in Switzerland, and God called me to go to Bible school, and specifically to a French-speaking Bible school. And I went to a small school outside of Paris in Nogent-sur-Marne. I studied there for three years, and during my last year, they asked me if I would stay and become part of their staff. So I became their school secretary, and I continued as a school librarian, which had been my service during my student years. And then the second year I was there, I taught their first-year New Testament Greek classes. But during that first year of working, my later-to-be husband (laughs) came to stay at the Bible school to work on his French. He was headed to Niger in West Africa with SIM as a missionary pilot. During that spring, we got to know each other a little bit. Then he went to Niger and we continued corresponding. Eventually fell in love and he asked me to marry him and 
I felt called to join him in Niger. So that's how I ended up leaving France. At that point, I thought I would be staying in France <laughs> um, once again. Um, right. I thought I had my life mapped out, and God had other plans. And we got married and went to Niger to work uh, as missionaries. Can you share what that was like to go to West Africa with your husband? I had visited once, but moving there was was very different. The climate is very harsh. It's a Muslim country. The people were different. Even the French was different. I continued working as a bilingual secretary, but there were a lot of adjustments to be made. And then once we had children, being a parent in, in a completely different culture was challenging at times. We have two boys, Jonathan and Michael. Uh, They were both born uh, in a French clinic. We came back to the States when Michael was three and a half. Oh, okay. So what was that transition then? I feel like that culture shock was actually greater. (laughs) Having lived in France for six years and then most of ten years in Niger, coming back to the States was overwhelming materially just going to the grocery store. The choices were so incredible. An entire aisle of cereal. (laughs) And I would go to the store and be in there for quite a while and come home with two or three items (laughs) and not enough to feed us and have to go back. I just, there were were so many choices. It was hard to make decisions and and readapt to the abundance that we have here. What would you say is just important about listening for the Lord's call in your life? Because it's really evident that you value that and that you've really clung to Him rather than even your own desires. I think we have to be aware of our areas of weakness. For me, it's uh, fear and lack of trust. And choosing to obey when your tendency is to be thinking about all the possibilities of things that might go wrong can be difficult. And for me, it's always been a choice. Am I going to trust God knowing what I know about him and that he is good, that he's loving, that he has plans that are to prosper me and that I can't look to circumstances and I can't be fearful about what may or may not happen but to trust that he has good in mind for me and for my family and so, and then just stepping out in faith and doing that that's been um, the challenge of I'd say my entire adult life is is trying to grow in trust of him and and relying on him rather than on myself You've experienced the mission field in a way that most of us haven't had the opportunity to. Can you just let us in on what it's even like? I think it's a willingness to not come in as the person who's going to fix the problems or, uh, quote, save people, but to come in with humility and know that God has many things to teach you in that situation, as well as using your gifts to help other people. And then for the more apprehensive personalities to to grow in trust of him and to rely on him rather than than on any giftedness we may have. And just an openness to, to get to know people. Meeting believers 
from different places who have different perspectives on things, I think is so enriching. Mm -hmm. And getting a glimpse of that family of God that we're going to experience in heaven from all the nations and all the tongues, it's it's very enriching to know Christians who come from a different background. How have you seen the Lord's evidence in France, to start with? France is seemingly an an easy place to be but at the same time it's a very hard place to be because spiritually the vast majority of French people are very hardened to the gospel. The majority of French people are still of Catholic background despite the growing immigrant population. That proportion may change soon but they think they know what Christianity is but they really don't. To them it's very compartmentalized. It's a place you go a couple of times a year or uh, for the major holidays possibly for major family events but has no impact on on daily life so it it can be a, a hard place to be and then to have a tendency to huddle with other Christians and not be out getting to know people who do not believe the same way you do. Do you have any advice or words of wisdom for how to branch out and trust that the Lord you other places? I think looking at your giftedness and how it can be used outside the Christian community as well. In some circumstances, it's not as easy to do depending on your responsibilities. When you're a full-time student or you're a full-time teacher or juggling that with being a parent as well. But to just be open to those opportunities and to ask God for opportunities to to meet people outside the community and to use your gifts in reaching them. Mm. So we came back to the States, I would say, essentially because I allowed my concerns about family safety to overwhelm me. And out of love for me, my husband left something that he really loved to bring our family back to the States. And it was, it was a time where God really had to speak to me about the fact that I thought that the United States was going to be safe and comfortable as opposed to Niger where there were constant threats of coups and and violence and that we would be just at ease in the United States and so instead we ended up in a tiny little place in rural Tennessee and it was difficult and God really spoke to me about my lack of trust that he was caring for my family wherever we were and we learned a lot while we were there, but my husband was able to continue as a pilot at that point. But we had never really wanted to leave the mission. When we came back to the States, they didn't have a place for us in the home office, and that was very disappointing to us because we wanted to continue to minister with SIM. And then after a few years, there was a place for uh, us in, or for my husband in the home office, and so we were preparing things to move to the Charlotte area. What was happening in Charlotte at the time? There was a place for, for my husband in, clearly not as a pilot, but in the purchasing and shipping department, and he became the head of that department because he understood the requirements for preparing things to go in containers and what could be packed and what couldn't be packed and all that. So he learned a lot more then about shipping and and worked in that department. And then we knew we were coming here, and so I knew that I was going to need work. And 
I assumed that I would continue as a special ed teacher. I had taken that back up when we came back to the States and ended up in a place where French was not a high priority. <laughs> and I had worked those years with severely disabled children. And so I was planning on, on looking for a position as a special education teacher. And then I was actually approached by one of the elders of Christ's Covenant about an opportunity that he was also on the board of JARS. And they were seeking to create a position with CCCP where uh, they would have a formalized class to teach French to missionaries, but in an accredited situation. And he wanted to know if I was interested in that. And he was talking to Barrett Mossbacker about this, who was then the head of Covenant Day School. And he knew that they were going to need a French teacher the following school year. And he <laughs> said, would you mind if I also contacted her? And so at that point, Barrett Mossbacker contacted me about coming to Covenant Day School. And Things just moved forward, and they brought me here to interview, and I was just really at peace that this was the place that God had for me, and the the other situation never came to fruition, so um, I didn't have any apprehension about moving forward with coming to Covenant Day. That's a really cool story, how that all aligned together. Can you share what that was like to switch and become a high school French teacher? Well, at that point, Covenant Day ended with ninth grade. Right, okay. So um, I was going to have a French one class for ninth graders, but I also was the lower school French teacher. At that point, when, when the school was founded, they began with a French program mm-hmm. for lower school. And so I taught the entire lower school. Most of the classes were uh, met three times a week, and then we, I actually developed a program for the kindergartners after a couple of years to um, include the kindergartners in a very short program. So I taught the whole lower school and then uh, one high school class. Even as Covenant Day was transitioning, you were transitioning up. Did you ever have some of your students as elementary school students and then again in high school? I actually had a lot of them. And it was quite interesting to see the changes from the time I'd had them through fifth grade. And then I didn't have them again in uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And then when they came to the high school, then I would have them again. Some of them I recognized instantly. Some of them just looked like a larger version of themselves in fifth grade, and then others had changed a lot. So we, at times, reminisced about lower school French, and it was fun to see the changes in maturity from uh, lower school to high school. I bet. That's a really cool experience, I'm sure. You've obviously experienced so many different cultures and been a part of so many different communities. What would you say marks Covenant Day as special as you have been here for almost 23 years? One of the most important things for me personally being here has been being able to pray with other teachers, particularly the ladies. We, we meet every Thursday morning, and ladies come as they are able. But for some of these women, I've been praying with them for, for many years, and it's so comforting to know that they know me, that they know about my family. Many of them have prayed for my children since they were young, and now they're adults. And just being able to talk and be supported by fellow believers in your life as a teacher and your life as a wife and as a mother has just been so helpful. I came from 
a very contentious situation in Tennessee where I did not feel supported at all. And to have that kind of constant support and know that I could count on people to pray when there were difficult situations has just been so important to me. Yeah, that's really special. I can even say, too, I know you mentioned the teachers, but one time I was about to go into a meeting for a Restore 525, and Mrs. Harling came up to me in the hallway, and she knew kind of what the meeting was about, and she came, and she just prayed with me right then and there, and I like will never forget that, and I tell that story a lot, because just the act of someone knowing about what's going on and then wanting to pray for you with you right then is just such a powerful encouragement and just a blessing to be known within your school. Mm -hmm. It's really special. I just want to say from all of us that we are really thankful that you are a part of this community and it's a blessing that you have been here for 23 years because you're one of the people that helped to make this place really what it is. You really are a rock of this school and we are thankful for how you've not only taught French, but encouraged students and teachers as well. Thank you. One last question for you in light of our podcast. Who is your favorite storyteller? C.S. Lewis. He writes in so many different genres, but the Chronicles of Narnia have meant so much to me. I read them on the superficial story level, and they're wonderful stories. But how he was able to portray deep theological truths through the characters in the story and particularly the final battle and a hope of heaven that we have just been a very powerful thing in my life and every few years I reread through the whole series and Randy Alcorn's Mm -hmm. book on heaven has also been fundamental in transforming how I view heaven and the hope that we have and has really enriched the understanding that I have of what awaits us and makes me very, very excited about it. Those are wonderful answers. Thank you again for joining us. Um, You're very welcome.